Hello, and welcome to episode four of Game On Girl. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And today, Ron and I are going to be talking about one of our favorite pop culture gaming franchises. Pretty sure some, if not all of you, are going to be familiar with these guys. Yay! <laughs> yes. Yay, indeed. For this episode, we're talking about the Guild. As I've mentioned in earlier episodes, the Guild was instrumental in the completion of my dissertation. They tweeted the Game on Girl call for participants and helped me find the majority of participants for the study. In homage to their help, I used a scene from the Guild in every chapter of the dissertation. And for those of you who aren't familiar, the Guild is an independent webisode, award-winning, by the way, that has a fantastic little cast, and it's a, a written about a group of online gamers. Yeah, who play a World of Warcraft-like game that we yes. find is called The Game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's all-encompassing, of course, right? <laughs> Yeah, and if you ever want to catch up on the episodes, I believe starting on April 2nd, they have a channel called Geek and Sundry on YouTube, and they're going to have all the episodes up. Yes, they will, and they'll be airing. Um, the episodes from Season 5 have been on the Xbox, and you can watch the Seasons 1 through 4 on Netflix as well as uh, full episodes. Um, and then Season 5 is going to be premiering starting on April 2nd with um, some special you know, footage and uh, outtakes and all kinds of great extra material, which those of us guild geeks are ba- waiting with bated breath for. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've subscribed to Geek and Sundry, so I know immediately. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. And I have them on Facebook and Twitter as well. So I hear all about this, uh, this great new stuff. They have some great new gaming content coming out too, a, a show that's going to be hosted by Will Wheaton talking about tabletop games, watching celebrities play tabletop games. So I'm looking forward to that one, too. Oh, yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah. So today what we're going to do is we're going to look at some scenes from the Guild, and we're going to identify the gamer types uh, represented in the show and through the episodes. Um, uh, As a reminder, the gamer types are listed. I I put up descriptions of them on the website, so gameongirl.com. Don't forget the dashes. And you can check them out. We have self-players, mastery players, and role players. It's the three categories uh, with some crossover between those guys as well. So we're going we're gonna to look at the characters in the guild and how they sort of fit into those, those different gamer types. So what do you think, Rhonda? Which, which character should we start with? Um, actually, I was thinking about starting with Zabu. Ooh. <laughs> one, of our, one of my favorite characters, for sure. Zabu, um, what do you think? So what, where do you think that he falls in, in, in this uh, gamer typology? Well, it's very obvious from um, the very first a pilot episode mm-hmm. of the series that Zabu is a self-gamer. Right. Um, he has a very hard time, I, I don't even know that he tries, to separate <laughs> uh, from the game. The right. game uh, is the only life that he has, actually. He's, he says at one point that if I lose the game, I have nothing left. Right. And that's because he has uh, has very little control over his physical life, and right. so which we see uh, later in the first season with you know the the issues he has with his mom being sort of super controlling and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, and I love, um, I always think of that, um, the crossover for him between uh, his himself in game and in when he meets Codex and he shows up at her doorstep, he hands her a blue rose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is exactly what he gave what he gave her in game, and so he just takes that and maps those those experiences right on to to his his physical experience. Yeah. Yep. So, do we have a, a quote for him? Um, I don't have a quote for him. I have one scene that I want to that sort of shows all of them together um, from the oh, end okay. of season one. So, um, I don't have a quick quote. I wasn't I wasn't able to organize quite well enough. <laughs> oh no no no! My, uh, <laughs> my mistake. Cases, yeah, I just that's all right. I think what I had down here was there he is. He he comes to um, Sid's door and uh, she they've never met. Right. They play as a guild and they've never met each other and he's standing at her door handing her blue flowers and she's like um do i know you (laughs) and he says well of course you know me remember i was gored by a wolverine last week and you totally resurrected me (laughs) 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 and so there's his complete context directly out of the game which actually she knew immediately who he was yeah once she had that context for for who he was she had no problem she's like zabu (laughs) and like the self-players he uses the first person Mm -hmm. i was gored last week and you resurrected me exactly exactly there's no break there's no definition there's no zabu as a character there is just zabu Yeah, and that's the way he introduces himself, mm-hmm. too, because he's just more comfortable that way. Exactly. And we have the same thing for Vork um, when they meet in person at Cheesy Beards for the first time, and they're having their guild meeting, and he, you know, Sid asks him, you know, she says, oh, my name is Sid. Um, it's not short for anything. And he says, oh, I'm Herman, but call me Vork. I simply respond to it better. <laughs> yes. And he's the same way. He he is completely empowered Absolutely. in that game yeah. and um, as a leader, mm-hmm. where in his physical life, it's obvious he's not. Right. He doesn't have that sort of that presence or that um, oh, charisma that he has when he's Vork and he can actually, mm-hmm. you know, have that sort of powerful manliness. <laughs> Yeah, and I got a lot more out of that. Um, I rewatched um, season two yesterday, and had never really. Well, the first time I watched it, I just really enjoyed watching it. Right. But as I watched Fork in season two, I understood a little better his um, self discovery that he goes through in mm-hmm. that season, and realizes he's a leader. Right. And you meet Bork and you don't, uh, you're like, um, no, this guy, uh, this guy could not lead a paper bag. <laughs> right. He couldn't get anybody out of their driveway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in the, but in the guild, he is essential. Right. Right. And, and what's great about that, that discovery too, for him is that he, he, imbo- he embraces that people dislike him. <laughs> Yes. You know, it's not, you know, we talk about charismatic leaders and people that we want to follow as, you know, being fantastic characters or, you know, um, people you want to be around. And he embraces the fact that everybody hates him. <laughs> yeah. And, and eventually the rest of them understand the purpose of that because they right. were all upset with him. Right. Exactly. And once someone else became the guild leader and they just hated it because they had to make all these rotten decisions right and you know bork was in the position to do that it's like you know i don't mind i'll right. make the hard decision right he's like i'll just i'll just take it on yeah and when they're um uh 
at the end of season three, actually, that's one of the scenes we have. Um, part of it, I think. I don't think we go that far into it when I when we start talking about the the axis of anarchy characters. We have the scene from mm-hmm. that, but um, when um, uh, Codex is the last one standing in the battle royale against the axis of our anarchy. Both she and Blades turn to Bork and say, I hate you at the same time. And he says, as it should be. <laughs> yes. It was perfect. He, mm-hmm. he was so comfortable in his role yep. at that point. He understood his identity. Right, right. The thing is that that does not exist only in the game. No. It is just available to him in the game. Right, exactly. And that's and that's part of what that that uh, journey that he goes on helps him discover that it that he may have found it through through the game and through creating the character in the game, but then he can carry it into his real life. And truly, I would argue that, you know, through season 5, that is that's what they're all doing. They're all finding who they are as people and how they can use the, the, the skills that they sort of hone in game, they, they all end up bringing in, yes. into their real lives. Slowly, <laughs> somewhat reluctantly, in a couple of cases, I think. But, but that's, that's sort of how it sort of maps together for them. It, it's, it's a lot like you said in the, in the paper as far as finding their, they lack that sense of freedom and mm-hmm. power and the ability to have an adventure right. and feel safe right. um, and be acknowledged in physical life. And they found it in the, the game. And slowly but surely, though, they're finding ways of being able to feel comfortable and safe to do that in their real life. Right, exactly. And, and it gives them the, a sense of confidence. It, it, it's almost... Um, I don't. I don't want to say a playground, but but that kind of environment where you're safe to explore, and but you still have like a safety net, like mom's watching you while you're <laughs> while you're out playing in the playground, and then you can you know you take it and it and it sort of moves into your real life. So yeah, yeah. Now Clara's Clara's introduction is in the same scene with Bork, mm-hmm. and it in some ways uh, kind of. Uh, mystifies me. I still think she's obviously very much a self-player. Right, right. But when she gets introduced, she says, oh, you must, they say, you must be Clara. And she said, yes, Clara, real name Clara. And <laughs> they are dumbfounded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Bork actually says, oh, your avatar's name is the same as your, your name in real life. <laughs> yeah. And What's interesting, she makes a joke about it because she said, you know, well, you know, I I did use an alias before, but my kids picked up on it and it was, uh, made my husband really mad. (laughs) Right. But it's obvious, though, the way that she lives the game Mm -hmm. and lives less of a physical life. Right. um, That she is a self-player. Right. Right. Yeah. She, she gets all of her fulfillment. I mean, she's, she, she, Claire is a very complex character, and um, I know some people have difficulty with her as as sort of a mom. 
(laughs) (laughs) Why? Yeah, I know, right? As you know, the kids are playing with the blender, you know, whatever else, you know, nightmare things. We sort of see uh, Clara ignoring or leaving her kids in the store, you know, as she goes to pick up the game expansion. She did on the beginning of season three. Um, so, so, so that adds a level of complexity that a lot, a lot of people sort of cringe back from. But and then again at the end of season five, um, that comes full circle for Clara because she gets this weekend away. You know, she's always trying to get away from the kids, and she's always trying to get away from the husband. And so she's pregnant, and they go to the con in season five. And then at the end of the at the end of the season, she says, "I can't wait to get home to my kids." <laughs> And you see that sort of like acceptance of, oh, you know, this is part of, you know, the game is part of the rest of my, my life as mom. So, yeah. And, and that's a a growth point for her. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And one of her quotes, I just love when, um, I think it's season four when Codex, um, takes the job at Cheesy Beards and she makes the commercial with blades and it's a nightmare. It becomes this total internet joke, the, the commercial that they made. And, um, uh, Codex shows up at Clara's house and, and Clara hands her a sippy cup and Codex takes a sip from it and says, (laughs) she spits it like she spits back. She's like, Oh my God, is this straight vodka? (laughs) <laughs> and Clara says, "Oh yeah, it's the mom and me." Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. It's just yeah, that's just fantastic. And what I don't feel like that I mean we needed to introduce this episode with saying they're going to be spoilers because these four five ep- five seasons of the guild have been out there for quite a while. Right, yeah. Yeah, they so, have. Um, they have. Yeah. I, I believe they got a new season coming out this year, but um yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we're trying to we're not going to give too much away. Yeah, we won't we won't hopefully people have have seen I I you know, it's one of those things where um, when I was writing the dissertation and I would get stuck, often one of the things I would do would go back and watch, <laughs> rewatch the guild because it would often sort of help ground me in sort of um, my yeah. thinking. And so I know that I know the seasons really well because <laughs> I got stuck now, a lot. <laughs> the, the other, the other girl, there are two other female characters left. Tink. Right. Now, she's obviously a self player too, mm-hmm. although her personality tends to it, it's extremely abrasive. Yes. And I think tr- she holds the most in personally. Yes. Which is not very much a self player. Right. Well, it's still I mean a part of the self the self player um category is creating an idealized self so that that's one that's one part of it is that they create this you know unattainable in the physical world self they can they can put up on the screen and and she still does that um in season two when blades um deletes her character she says i'm gone i no longer exist yeah and so so that that is among the most profound sort of self gamer you know ways to identify she's like i just don't exist anymore Yes. And he tells, and she, you know, continues to call him a murderer and, you know, things like that because she was so attached to that character. But she's, exactly. but she's not as attached just interpersonally with the group until really until later in the, the, the way the, the seasons run later. Season five, you can, you can see this sort of emotional connection start to come up more for her. But she's really resistant to that. 
Well, but she obviously needs it because right. she had she had has a chance to change guilds. No, she and does. She can yeah. also play by herself if she wants. Right, to. that's true. But she doesn't choose to. Right, right, that's and true. I think with she her personality it just expresses the need for that socialization or to be included right. in an entirely different way. She's right. extremely guarded. Yeah, she is absolutely. And that's that's part of what um, I think attracts and repels the other the other members of the guild from her as well. They they want to be close to her, but she's she's kind of like hugging a cactus, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's a little prickly to you, <laughs> and so she's got that kind of personality too, which then fits into the character that she has because the character she plays is a ranger, so it's somebody who does damage from mm-hmm. a distance. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, she. It's, she's just very. She's just very. Um, I think she's like Clara. She's more complex than she first appears. Exactly. I think that they're going to be. You know, so often things are based on stereotypes, and we think that these sort of categories and these groups are going to be. You know, you fit into this box. <laughs> yeah. If the writing is really good, then the characters don't fit into that box. You have to constantly sort of tug and pull and, and shape and move them into. Oh, okay. This is a little bit this way. This is a little that way. Then last is Sid, which is, that's her physical name mm-hmm. for her character, but um, she goes as Codex. Codex, yep. Yeah, our, our heroine. And, and she is more, I would say, stereotypical self-player. Yes, absolutely. She um, she very much, I mean, she has, at the end of season three, <laughs> she actually has a little, um, in episode 12, uh, which is called Hero, I think. Um, she talks to her virtual self. <laughs> it's a fantastic dialogue. It is a fantastic dialogue. It is uh, that moment where her, you know, she's sort of losing it in the game and she might not be able to, you know, pull it together. And and the entire guild is on the line at that moment. And um, they're going to, you know, cease to exist if, if she doesn't win this tournament against Will Wheaton's character, Fox. Um the the entire guild is gonna is gonna leave and they're not gonna be able to play together anymore. And um she has this dialogue with herself and her her virtual self is like, Stop playing me like I'm you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> play me like the lo- you you created me to be, you know. I'm you know, I'm not twitchy and lacking self confidence. I'm strong and powerful. And you can Yeah, be too. I've got the quote here um of the uh, character talking to her. Mm-hmm. I'm who you are in game. Who you want to be, confident, in charge, naturally wavy hair. Right. You're playing me like Sid, twitchy, self-conscious, with an occasional cycling pimple. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. And when she breaks out and she comes back into the game, she's like, you know, she starts hitting all the right buttons to play the game with confidence and power. And she says, I have naturally wavy hair. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I love that. Because, I mean, that's kind of the same way. Um, when I'm playing that I think too, I'm looking at that character and I'm like, yes, I have a six pack. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. I have bulging biceps. (laughs) I have the strength to pull back this longbow. Exactly. That's, that's me. I do, I do that with the, with the dance classes that I take. I watch the instructor up on the, on the stage and I'm like, that's what I look like. I don't look like that, but that's what I look like. (laughs) But that's that imagery that Mm -hmm. um projection is is 
the the display of your confidence. Right. That's your confidence kind of manifesting itself. Exactly. And and Sid had it all along in Codex. Right. But she had the the great the greatest uh, difficulty getting it out of the game. Right. Um, the entire third season. Right. And trying to um, apply it in her physical life. Yeah. Yeah. She she really she really struggles with that, and I I think that's one of the reasons why everybody loves her <laughs> and and why she's such a relatable character because every, everybody goes through that and everybody has that I mean mm-hmm. it may not be you're mapping from a game but you're mapping from who you think you are and and how you're sort of trying to manifest that into your life every, everybody goes through that in some way and um, she does a beautiful job of um, you know Felicia Day writes the series and plays Codex and she does a beautiful job in terms of the character that she creates just in how relatable she is, but also in, in, in how we can look at her no matter no matter what you're doing. And even if you're not a gamer, you can watch the guild and you can be like, oh, I understand this transformation that she's going through because I went through it as well. Oh, yeah. They're a great study just in personality types. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, and since you mentioned Felicia Day, I had intended on um, mentioning the other actors' names. Yeah. Um, Jeff Lewis plays Bork. Bork. Yeah. Uh, Robin Thornson plays Clara. Uh, Amy Okuda yep. plays Tinkerbala. Yes. And Sandy Parikh plays Zabu. Yes. And then we still, I, I did miss one, uh, yeah, Blades. Blades. Well, you know, and it's kind of appropriate that we, we, we sort of missed him because he's a rogue. So he's yeah. <laughs> sneaky and, and wearing black clothes and the guy who will, you know, come up behind you and stab you in the back if, you know, you're yes. misbehaving. So it's kind of appropriate that he slipped under our radar. <laughs> but and he manif- and he he's very much that way in, in his physical life as well, which um, let's let's see. Let's transition into the scene now. So I, I have the scene yeah. from um, episode 10 boss fight of the first season. This is where they've, um, the guild met for the first time. They've had these different issues kind of come back and forth between what they're doing. And finally, Zabu's been having a personal crisis trying to get separated from his mom. And now the guild is going up to to sort of reinforce and back him up as he makes that sort of final break away from her. So here we go. So Jen, I have missed three Pilates sessions with this latest escapade of yours. Get in the car and let's go. Mrs. Goldberg, um, Zabu has something to say to you. You again? Sujan, can't you see? Your babies would be so ugly. Mom, I'm not uh, interested in joining you at this juncture very much. Excuse me? Forget it, I'm coming. (laughs) I joked. Okay, let's get some frosties. No. Uh, Madam, Zabu is on record that he doesn't wish to go home with you. I can notarize a statement in writing. I'm licensed and have my own seal. I carry it on my person, always. I'm sorry. But this is a family issue. Your bald authority means nothing to me. Borg has passive-aggressive aggro. DPS, begin. But she's so pretty. I mean, ugly. No wonder Zabu wants to leave you. I like your dress. How many unemployed people have you arranged to gang up on me? 
Look, your son doesn't want to live with you anymore, duh. A real mom doesn't smother her kids. Heck, they can live alone at 15. I did my research. Anyways, if you love him, just listen. Oh, I'm at Amanda. Nice damage, Clara. He just wants to live his own life. You can understand that, right? You stopped it all this. Uh, How dare you try to steal my son? Uh, but I, I, I wasn't... Wasn't st- what? Able to put together a decent outfit? Back your little mustache? Hey, get off our healer. She's squishy. Out of the way, you. I'm immune to poison, lady facelift. Ah, oh, yikes, nasty crit. <laughs> so, Jim, I'm just trying to protect you. Every time you run off with one of these online women, I have to come get you out of trouble. Every time? Come home with me. Don't abandon me like your father did. Mom, Dad had a heart attack. Out of spite. He ate all that fatty food on purpose. Please, son. <laughs> You're all I have left. Oh, don't cry. Oh, brain melting. No, Zabu, it's your life. You don't have to live it for her. Yeah, I know, but she's my mommy. She's got a mind control. Do something, Vork. Woman. Tears. Paralyzed. Zebu's mom. Chill. I'll milk as hard as you can find another son. Hell, I'll volunteer and you can spank me or bathe me or whatevs. Well, thank you, but I don't want another son, and my son doesn't want another mother. Oh, yeah? He tried to suicide because of you. No screenshot, but trust me, it happened. Is this true? Yeah, kind of inspired it. Ouch. She's stunned. Heal him up, Codex. Sabu, you can tell her. We're here for you. Mom, I'm tired of you treating me like a little kid, okay? I'm an adult, and I'd like to be able to read my porn wherever I want. In the living room, during lunch, okay? So, just look, I love you, but Dad was right. You can be a real crazy pig. Lady. Okay? So, I'm not going home with you. <gasps> She's down! Yeah. <laughs> Don't bother changing your mind. I always wanted a sewing room. <sighs> yeah, did you see what we did, you guys? <laughs> Socially maladjusted my butt. Yeah, we totally knocked her into menopause. <laughs> Yeah, owned. <laughs> Just a sec, guys. Zabu, no! Hey, Mom, do I get a bath? Oof. It's fantastic. There we have our boss fight, end of season one. We get to see all of the strengths of each one of the characters. Yeah, definitely. Okay. And now, how is it? Um, how is it? You say that Blades represents a self player. Um. Well, he's kind of sneaky and underhanded. <laughs> Oh, I see. Yes. Okay. And I see he, what you're saying now. Of the, yeah. Go ahead. No, the, the, the rogue character. I mean, he yeah. identifies with the rogue character and that's the kind of the way that he deals with life. I mm-hmm. mean, he actually is one of the few characters who appears to be playing in the basement. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's in, he's in his mom's basement. He's sort of our, our archetypal gamer stereotype (laughs) the youngest the youngest the youngest of the group the youngest of the actors as well i think um uh there were notations on the on the youtube video he was only 16 when they started filming this so 
Wow. He was still still pretty young and um and you know, in the show he's in his character's also in high school, which we find out later, but um yeah, I, I think that that sort of sneaky, underhanded, and the way he pops up at the end—he's not—he's not in the group as they approach Zabu's mom, but he he swoops in there at the end with like the killing blow, which is exactly the way his. Uh, he's almost like a um, a Han Solo character. Yes, yes, exactly. Like the the lovable rogue, right? The the lovable, yeah. you know, scruffy guy who you're not really sure is on your side <laughs> mm-hmm. until he exactly. comes through for you at the end. Yeah. That's a great parallel between the two of them. Yeah. Cause they always, they always end up having a heart of gold. They're yes, really exactly. softies. Exactly. They, they are, they are. And I, and I think that's very much true of, um, of blades as well, which we can see in some of the other episodes when he, you know, he gets all this sort of internet notoriety from, um, the cheesy beards commercial and he gets an offer to go to the con and he takes the whole group with him you know he could just go Mm -hmm. on his own and you know not have them with him but he takes them you know which he says as his entourage or whatnot but (laughs) yeah (laughs) really i think he wants and needs that that support around him as well so. Um, so then there's another guild. Yes. Uh, yes. Besides the, the Guild of uh, Knights of Good. Right. So we sort of have our contrasting characters that come up in the third season um, with the Axis of Anarchy. This is our, our, our contrasting guild and our contrasting players. And pretty much as we've, as we've discussed, um, the characters from the Knights of Good are all representations of self players they're all they're all engaged in sort of finding who they are and expressing who they are through the game the axis of anarchy mm, no no <laughs> they no. are not there might be some aspects and a couple of aspects i think of self player that goes on in the axis of anarchy but uh not not to the degree we see in the knights of good i think the AOA characters are are more mastery players they're more more concerned with dominating the game itself yeah and i think um valkyrie probably is a a good starting representation of that when um he has an opening uh uh, one of the first two episodes of the opening of uh season three i Mm -hmm. believe yeah yeah he um when they're standing outside at the end of the first episode the axis of anarchy show up and that and it ends with them wanting to cut in line and then we find out a little bit more about them in the second episode where uh, they're confronting them and saying, no, we're, we're first in line because we're the best on the server and we're the best players. And Valkyrie is the one who knows all of the statistics. We're the first to take down this boss. We were the first to do this and we're the first to get all this loot. And that's why we're going to be the best now that the new expansion has come out. Yeah, it's all um, statistical rankings. Mm-hmm. And so the... Um that's what maps to the mastery is that those are um, quantifiable things that they can point to. Exactly. Exactly. They say, you know, look, this is, this is, we got the new equipment and, and, you know, we bested everybody. Yeah. The, um, the, it was Clara asked them, they're like, we're number one. So we deserve to be first in line. And she's like, who says you're number one? And then right. they start r- r- rattling off these statistics, uh, and 
the Knights of Good just don't really have an answer to that <laughs> here first. Right. <laughs> except we're camped out and we, we have a we have a tent set up and, you know, Vork has been here for three days. That's really the only claim they have to being, you know, to needing to be in the front of the line. And um, they, they don't really have the game to back them up at that point. Now, one of the characters that we know the least about also probably um, has the most telling scene, I think, in this same episode is Bruiser. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you kind of identified him as maybe the healer of the group, sort yeah. of like a contrast to, to Codex. um, Codex's mm-hmm. character. Because um, he's constantly flexing his muscles and like he's getting ready to beat everybody up. <laughs> right. <laughs> And so I think he sees it, it, maybe he sees everything as a a threat and a battle, something that, well, we can take this down right now. Right, right, right. Exactly. We can, we can end this. We have no, there's no, you know, there's no need to dance around this. Let's just go and, you know, and do it. Yeah. And I I wonder too, because like I said, in, um, I think it was episode two of the podcast, I mentioned how most of the women I talked to who were healers, who talked about, healing as the thing that they wanted to do in game talked about wanting to do it not because they wanted to take care of everybody which is sort of the you know the stereotype of why women want to be healers um, but they talk more about how much skill it takes and how much focus and energy it takes and so bruiser as the healer for for um, the axis of anarchy I think would would fall into that category of healer he's definitely not looking to take care of anybody <laughs> No, <laughs> that's definitely and I not. Think that, for him. I think that is what we'll see characteristic too of the mastery players mm-hmm. and how things, in a way, fall apart for them in the end. Right. Is that mastery players are not necessarily playing for the guild? Right. They're playing for their own accomplishments. Right. And and feeling that that power and domination and what, whatever else it is that they get from from playing and and fox will wheaton's character is a perfect example of that in his you know he's the leader of the axis of anarchy and he demands that they play perfectly there's one scene where um codex comes in on their channel and he is just really upset with everybody because they just wiped on the new content and nobody's you know playing as well as they should be and he's really upset with them so he he really demands that of them and pushes them to be that and I don't know that that, and then, you know, in season five, you know, they end up not being able to maintain their guild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sort of falls but, apart, so. Well, and w- with five mastery players, mm-hmm. th- that that's pretty much the only direction you're going to be able to go, because at the point where you have to make a decision, um, and I mean, this is a physical life thing, too, where you have to make a decision for the group in the room or get the accomplishment for yourself. What choice are you going to make? Right, right. And in the in-game, for a mastery player, I would think that it's much easier to make the choice for your own accomplishments. Exactly. uh, Instead for the group, because there's there's a looser investment there, especially with five mastery players. (laughs) Yeah, they're really, you know, they're invested in being the best as a group because it reflects on them individually as being the best. Not, not as being the best. It's just not a, 
Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just not a good support group. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely. Although, you know, they, they do support each other because when they take Tink in and they're, um, you know, they're furious. She's furious at Blades for having deleted her character. You know, they do a lot of, you know, physical life damage to, to Blades where, you know, they go to his school and they, you know make the the website of his modeling pictures and then they plant stuff in his locker it's like you know because they're they're looking out for their own but they can't do it in a way that's that's realistic or (laughs) at the level of what's happened because they take the game so seriously and the mastery of the game so seriously they map that into you know what they do to blades which is you know potentially get him kicked out of school yeah. yeah, because the the um, the Knights of Good cannot seem to talk them down. Right, they won't quit right. until he's destroyed. Right, and, and in physical life, it just kind of uh, getting very out of hand. Right, right, and, and in the end, they even um, they even turn on Tink. Right, yeah, and in the end, it, it it's it's it was the revenge was fun for them. You know, getting back yes. blades was fun for them, but they weren't doing it because they cared about Tink and what happened. Um, no. like they said they call her behind her back. They call her Tainter Bala. You know, the, behind yes. her back, and then she finds that out when she finds out that they weren't really emotionally supportive of her. She ditches them. Yes, immediately. Immediately, and, and that—that's a sign of her self-playing exactly. coming out. Exactly, and and wanting that kind of support network that the Knights of Good create. You know, they they really do create a social network for each other, you know, through the game and through gaming activities and and create that that social support system that she might not have even known that she really needed at that point. But when she saw what was happening, you know, and how she was being treated and how she was being thought of by these, you know, this group of sort of hardcore mastery players, she just could not... She couldn't handle it. She didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah, she wasn't that kind of bad girl. Right, exactly. <laughs> there was a line for her. Yeah. There was a line for her. She's she's prickly, and that's that's part of her personality, mm-hmm. but she's not cruel, Exactly. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't want to cross that line, but she will manipulate you because that's what she does, you know, to start with yes. Blades. She, you know, she gets him to do her homework and all this other, you know, crazy stuff. <laughs> You know, so she'll manipulate him, but but in the end, she doesn't. She doesn't really want to hurt anybody. Now, Quan, there uh, is a really interesting um, quote with them in that uh, finale game. Quan mm-hmm. uh, is. Um, I'm not sure what character he plays, but in the Mastery Players, he is going head to head, basically with Vork. I think at the time, and he's losing. Right, and. Then Clara's husband, which is a very interesting thing altogether, <laughs> uh, jumps in and says, right. well, hey, he is a definitely a noob player. Yeah, yeah. And he jumps in and he says, well, here, if you don't think I'm exciting, here, take this. I'll show you. I can take risks. Right. And then he kills Quan, right. who apparently is... A champion on circuit with gaming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With StarCraft too. He's like, you know, he is a, he is a, you know, that talk about mastery players. You know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> if you are competing, you know, he's got a hand masseuse. <laughs> and Zabu says, well, those are the man's yeah. instruments. <laughs> you know? Yes, I love that line. <laughs> 
you but know. Juan's response to the noob is no one uses those spells in your class. Right. It's sheer idiocy. Yeah. And that's a that he plays the game strategically, like you were you said in the dissertation, the choice of class mm-hmm. and skills to maximize gameplay. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's yeah that he he's no it's okay he is he is sort of the 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 epitome of of that you know why would why would you do that and and that's what's hilarious about it too is is it's because it's it's Wiggly's Wiggly or Wiggles Mr Wiggles yeah Claire's husband's noobness it's it's the fact that he doesn't know what he's doing that undoes this like this supreme master player right <laughs> yes okay so yeah so it is that mastery of you know the the stupidity of mr wiggles playing <laughs> that yeah. completely undoes kwan's supreme master status and i I don't think um it's probably an obvious point but i love the idea that um a noob they show a noob can come in there and do that exactly and exactly. they they um even though they've given him a horrible time throughout mm-hmm. the entire season um they they're all very excited at the end that he jumps in there and right and that he and helps out contributes well. <laughs> I mean, he's such a noob. He's like, oh, I, I jumped in the ocean and <laughs> swam around for an hour the other day to build muscle. <laughs> I like, know. That was so cute. It's so funny because you're like, okay. <laughs> and I think Zabu says there are so many parts of that that are fail or something yeah. to that degree. Yeah. He's just like, I, I can't even help you with how bad that is. And another scene when Blades is helping him, he's playing with a spoon, you know? <laughs> so, yes, he's fighting with a spoon. Yes. <laughs> he really does sort of go, he really does question the noob. He takes his noob status to the, to sort of to the extreme, I guess. Yeah, but I, I love the idea that he kind of gets a, a, he and Clara have a little bit better understanding of each other right. after. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he gets it, he gets the reason why the gaming is important to her and, and why she wants to do it, I think, a little bit at the end. Especially since he can come in and save save the group in a way that none of them would have anticipated. Now, the um, last um, Axis of Anarchy uh, player, Mastery Player's Venom. right. And uh, one of the scenes we were uh, looking at for her was also in the finale play. Mm -hmm. And she's the one that's going head to head with Bork. Right. And she is um, disabled. Right. But she also is like a masochist. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Because uh, she has one line there at the end where her character dies. And and she's like, oh, it feels so good Good to to die. die. (laughs) I know. Just absolute euphoria for her you know she's like oh it feels so good to die but she kind of she she tricks bork basically Mm -hmm. she's sitting there and they're playing she's like why don't they let me be myself and play a disabled avatar right and of course vork gets distracted and goes into this long description about how that can't work and she kills him yeah yeah and she just comes and that's and that's the end of it because he's so distracted by her feigning <laughs> yeah. a, a self-player, you know, representation, you know, why, why can't I take who I am into the game? And he's caught up in that because that, that is, you know, why and how he engages the game. So he, he wants to sort of help her understand why it doesn't work. And she's just faking him out. <laughs> Anything to win. Yeah, exactly. Anything to win. And and that's, you know, I, if there was pretty much anything we could sort of sum up the axis of anarchy with, 
entirely that that would be it. It's anything to win. Yeah. And I completely missed that observation that she was, she was actually faking being a self player. Mm -hmm. Yeah. she, yeah, that, that was, that's really, yeah, she's really, I think, yeah, that. she's, she's really just putting on, putting on the face and I don't know. I mean, I think she knows it's going to distract him. I don't think she understands why necessarily, but she does, you know, she plays that sort of, um, sympathy card and, and puts it out there. Why can't I be myself? And then she's got, if you listen to the tone of her voice and how she says it and that sort of pleading and he just, it's, it's the same, it's the same moment for Vork as when Zabu's mom starts to cry and, yeah. <laughs> and he can't like he can no longer speak because of woman tears. Yes, it's it's he, he, she's playing on that same tendency for him that you know Vork really sees himself as that heroic warrior. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to to you know to to rescue the damsel in distress or to protect whoever he needs to protect. In this, he's protecting the guild, and um, she she plays on that. She capitalizes on on his his weakness for for wanting to to be that character. Now, do we have a clip from uh, season three? We have a clip from season three. We've talked about almost every, I think, the whole scene. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm wondering if we should if we should play it or if we should um, just go on to the the last one I had, which was applications, because it's a long clip. It's five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we really did literally talk about like every scene that was in it. So I don't know if we need to do uh, that again. It, that was a great tease. Everybody yeah. go watch it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody go watch. Go watch season three, episode 11, Battle Royale. <laughs> I have to say that for, for me, season three is my favorite. It's it's the, the, the DVDs that I have signed by uh, Felicia Day, Will Wheaton, and um, Amy Okuda. DVD I got signed was season three because it's it's my favorite. Although when I had it, when I handed it to Amy Okuda to have her sign it, she's like, did you have to get the season that I, that like she almost wrote me out of the show in? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I love this season. <laughs> So let's see, for our last category, um, there aren't any regular um, role players that are uh, represented in the, in the guild. Um, everybody's, as I said, uh, we've got the, the Knights of Good as primarily self-players and the Access of Anarchy as mastery players. But we do have some representations of uh, role players that, that sort of crop up in Season 3 when um, when... Codex has been made guild leader, and she needs to replace Tink because Tink has gone off with the Axis of Anarchy. She puts out a call for for um, guild people people to apply to become part of their guild. And so the clip I'll play right now is um, the applicants. So so the, this is the pool of applicants that has presented itself to the Knights of Good to become new members of their guild. Hello, Codex. I am Lord Bolio. This is my formal application to take part of your guild. I saw your guild invitation. Very interesting. My name is Doom and Gloom, but most guys just call me DG. And I'm looking to expand my horizons with the new guild. My name is Strider. S-T-R, umlaut Y, D, umlaut E, capital R. We're conjoined twins. We're not noobs. I'm a fantastic team player, and I have a lust for blood. Questing is one of my favorite things. I am a wizard. I wake up in the morning and say, where am I going to quest today? <laughs> I would kill to be part of your guild. Literally. My RL job is teaching high school trigonometry. Boring. Are you ready to raid? 
I said, are you ready to raid? I, for one, am not a violent person, but I am. All right, this is Lord Bolio signing off. See you soon. Please pick us. Yeah, that was a buffet of humanity I wish I'd never had to sample. Um, come on. A few of those applications look okay. <laughs> All right. So there we have our applicants to join the guild. <laughs> yeah, pretty weak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kind of questionable little uh, little group of people there. I, it's hard because, of course, you know, we're just doing an audio an audio cast here, so uh, we can't actually see the pictures. But one of the, the characters or one of the um, applicants is Lord Bolio, as he mentions at the end, and he's in full wig and, and uh, regalia. And uh, very much um, a role player, I think, in terms of has the, the name created for himself and, and the identity. He mentions my RL job, you know. So he's he's one of those sort of role players. And the, the funny thing about, about this um, is that the role players are ostracized. <laughs> even yeah. even from the Knights of Good, they're they're a little too far and a little too out there for them. They're like, oh, they're creepy. <laughs> I wonder if it's also that same um, identification type thing where you know uh, the axis of anarchy. They're all mastery players. They understand each other, and mm-hmm. the Knights of Good are all self players, and they can support that. Right. Um, and the, the role players they just don't identify with. Yeah, they can't. They can't sort of fit them into into what they think of the game, you know. And so they they sort of they sort of stand out from them um, in terms of being even even more othered <laughs> than regular gamers are. <laughs> well, now I had a question about um, Lord Bolio because it, it, it's it's a really hard. Our hard uh, clip to critique because there's so little there, mm-hmm. but he is in full costume mm-hmm. and he introduces himself. I am and I do this mm-hmm. and I do that, which is typically a self player type thing, right? And um, a role player has makes a point of creating an entirely unique, distinct other personality, right? Um, it, how is Lord Bolio? representing the role player in that situation well that's a great question i i I think it's partially the visual medium that that allows us to sort of make that that jump okay because he is dressed in costume he is representing himself he doesn't say this is rob he doesn't say this is rob as lord bolio or whatever his name is you know as playing playing this but he is representing himself as the character in in the clip you know, so so he's he's created that persona and has has embodied it physically. So okay. he wouldn't be because he would be playing himself as if he was Lord Bolio in that moment. That's true because you said um, that the role players will. It, it has to be a personality that they can put on right. and take off. Right, and he okay. takes it off a little bit there when he says, "Well, my real life job is." Yeah, and then he goes back into it, and, and you know, and he's he's the one who says, um, "I wake up in the morning and I say, where shall we quest today?'" <laughs> and that's the reason why uh, LARPers would be considered role players, right? Oh, absolutely. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. People who play live-action role-playing would be very much. He's sort of in that, Lord Bolio's sort of in that vein. They actually have him, those as, as, a, as a, you know, piece of trivia, those applicants are were fans of the guild. Um, they, they put a call out on the, on the website and said, we need people to apply to become members of the, you know, for, for new people for the next season. You guys put videos together for us. So the people in those videos are, are all fans of the guild. They're people who watched it. And so when they were filming season five and they were at the con where the game was represented, the game in caps, <laughs> Lord Bolio makes an appearance. <laughs> oh, cool. He's actually in one of the episodes. Uh, just a really brief, you know, thing where I think Zabu takes a seat from him and boots, boots him out. But, but it is the same actor who comes back and, and, and sort of represents there, so... But I love the um, the idea that the whole the whole sense of uh, the gaming community and uh, socialization mm-hmm. that what when the guild needed something they reached out to their peeps. Yeah, you know? exactly. That's one of the things that I have just you know the first season was supported on <laughs> on people making contributions to this so that they could, mm-hmm. they could continue making the show after they had the first few episodes up and it's true sort of grassroots. Um, entertainment you know that people people told felicia it wasn't going to work nobody's going to watch this nobody's going to be interested in this and well they couldn't have been more wrong about that (laughs) now is there any other reason why besides being a punchline that they would they would represent role players as creepy um i i think it's just so different from how most of us see ourselves and see our identities, it sort of crosses a, a line people are uncomfortable with. Um, when I was doing the research and I was reading about traditional role-playing games, uh, pen and paper, LARPing games, one of the things I had thought about was, you know, here we are, a society that pays actors outrageous sums of money to bring to life a character that's been written for them. And at the same time, we ostracize people who write and create their own characters. Yes. And it doesn't make any sense to me that it works that way because, I mean, there's even more creativity that goes into creating an identity for yourself and creating a role and carrying that that divide between these two, you know, saying this is what she did and not what I did. You know, not being Zabu walking up and saying, you resurrected me last week. Yeah, and that I get that distinct feeling when um, I go to a con. Right. And I mean, everybody there is, if especially if they're dressed in costume, they're comfortable. Like for the first time, they're like, "I know you understand what I'm doing. I understand right. what you're doing, and we're not judging each other." Right. And it's it's like you know this is acceptable. Right. It's a place where it becomes, you know not a social question you know it's it's understood the the reason behind or the motivation somebody might have to create a character for themselves and to you know to manifest it and dress in costume and all that great stuff yeah i mean i remember i mean one of the youngest uh, career ideas i ever had was to be an actress Mm mm-hmm and I've never lost that. Yeah, the, I know, the, me too. <laughs> when I watch when I watch TV shows, I'm looking at the costumes. Mm-hmm. When I'm looking at the uh, makeup and the sets, and I'm thinking, 
that costume would be so much fun to make. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, what was I just watching? Something. Oh, I was watching um, Once Upon a Time. I don't. I don't know if you've seen it. It's. Um, it's written by Jane Espenson. Espenson, I think is her name. Oh, she's one of the writers for Buffy, um, and it's sort of a modern uh, retelling of the fairy tales. Uh-huh. And uh, there was a scene where Snow White had this beautiful cloak. Oh, my God. It was off-white, and it had um, roses embroidered on it. And I'm like, oh, God. Wow. I need to figure out how to make that. <laughs> I haven't watched that show yet, but the, the trailers, mm-hmm. the costuming and makeup is what makes me want to sit down and watch it. That's it. I just, I was like, you know, I don't care if this is bad. Mm-hmm. It is so pretty. <laughs> yeah, it is beautiful. And and it's a really interesting um, method of storytelling where they weave, you know, um, current day characters with their fairy tale alter egos. Well, this was pretty cool yeah. being able to um, reference some uh, real life pop culture ideas. Absolutely. And, kind of explain your player categories a little more clearly yeah, a little bit more depth. Give it identity yeah mm-hmm. give everybody a, a little bit more um of a chance to kind of see how how those um those types play out in um in other representations rather than just the interviews that we've been doing so cool yeah, great definitely. idea yeah well with that we're introducing a new segment today in our uh game on girl layout and we're going to talk about gaming and pop culture um Rhonda and i are going to look at look for examples of uh gaming represented in sort of more mainstream culture um so this week we're going to take a look at another one of our favorite shows or actually i shouldn't say our favorite i know it's one of my favorite Rhonda, is it one of your favorite shows too oh yeah <laughs> Today we're going to look at the Big Bang Theory, and in their most recent episode, um, The Weekend Vortex, uh, the boys, the gentlemen of the Big Bang Theory, take a whole weekend to play games. And um, in the planning stages, apparently, it ends up that um, one of the girls from the group uh, sort of invites herself in and begins to play. So Bernadette is playing with them as well. So here is our introduction to Bernadette as gamer. Get that guy, get that guy. Pew, 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 pew. Uh, Dr. Rostenkowski, it may interest you to know that saying pew, pew, pew isn't as effective as pressing your blaster key. In the same way that saying wee doesn't make the land speeder go. Pew. Raj, Imperial Troopers on your tail. Got him! When Gandhi advocated his philosophy of nonviolence, I bet he didn't know how much fun it was killing stuff. All right, I think we got them all. Let's divide up the loot. Ooh, look at this pretty purple robe I just got. You should put on yours and then we'll match. I worked hard to get this armor. <laughs> Sorry, I just thought it'd be nice if people knew we were a couple. Final change. <laughs> All right, so there we have Bernadette as gamer. <laughs> so what is um, your immediate response of this very popular show uh, outside the the gaming community, mm-hmm. representation of gaming, and specifically a girl gaming? Well, I'm a little upset that they made her so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. 
I understand for the character and that, you know, she's not she's not a gamer. She's not coming in as, you know, sort of a self-identified gamer. At the same time, I have a, I have a difficult time with the, you know, pew, 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 and, you know, the, the sort of hyper-gendered, reactionary characterization of her, I think. Uh, we could have done a little better here, guys. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I thought she was... And she was very silly, mm-hmm. and um, Bernadette's a very interesting character. They, I'm glad they kept her. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Amy is, uh, she, she's a blast. Oh, I love Amy, yeah. Yeah, Amy but Bernadette, I feel like is they're slowly losing a little of her geekiness, mm-hmm. and portraying her as a silly girl among geeks right. um, sort of just seemed like a, a betrayal. Yeah. Um, because when they first introduced Penny to gaming, they were they were much kinder. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, her, um, her first, uh, you mean when she came in and she joined them and they didn't expect that she was going to be any good and she, <laughs> yeah. she pwned them all. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I, I love the, uh, the display of their expectations of being so totally wrong. Mm-hmm, exactly. Where they play and, up on her. Right. Yeah, and then flip-flopping to Bernadette just just being kind of silly. Now, I, I, I acknowledge that this was supposed to be a guy's weekend. Right, and she sort of imposed herself on their, their time together. Right, um, but I, I don't know. And it's part, of, it's part of Bernadette's personality in a way. That's, that's the whole juxtaposition with her mm-hmm. is that she is like Howard's mom, and then she's got this voice. Right. And she's cute and adorable. But I don't know. I, I, I think it was just a, a tiny bit of a slight uh, yeah. in there. Yeah. On, on Well, one of the things I love about the Big Bang Theory is their play with gender stereotypes and, and, and the jokes that they make about gender and, and intelligence and social awkwardness and, you know, all the things that you love about the show. Um, I... I I expect more from them. <laughs> yeah. I'm expecting their their writers, my expectation for their writers is really, really high. And the the scene with Bernadette and this sort of interaction really, really brought down what I was sort of thinking of it. The, the same thing with um, when they introduced Penny to, um, to MMO playing and she was playing something like World of Warcraft. I think it was called mm-hmm. Age of Conan in that, that episode. She yes. becomes addicted to it and, you know, doesn't have any sense of achievement in her own life and then becomes, a, you know, kind of addicted to the game. And she only gets broken out of it when she realizes that she's spending time playing with Howard. <laughs> she's like, oh, God, yeah. no. You know, so that is another where, you know, yes, I, I will, you know, fully admit that too much of anything can be a bad thing. You know, gamers don't really need any more promotion of, of game addiction. There's there's plenty of media outlets, <laughs> that love to pick up on on stories like that so if we can see representations from from shows like the big bang theory that are maybe a little bit more realistic rather than i don't know or just a little smarter yeah yeah a little bit more intelligent a little bit more you know better thought out because they're very very clever i mean that's the reason the show i think is is so successful Mm -hmm. even though you sit and watch it and realize how much technical terminology that they're mm-hmm. throwing around Absolutely. and you're like how are they able to do this yep and it's because they're very they're very witty and they're very smart they have an awesome cast yep 
and they obviously have a great group of writers and uh, people um, advising the show. Yep. And so I, I just, I just, I think it was kind of a little weak point there. And I think they know they've got a weak point because uh, Penny was the only female lead character on the show to begin with, right. and I feel like I've watched them struggle with her. In, in how they're going to include her because the guys have become so popular right. and it seems easier to write for them. Yeah. Because Penny is so completely outside of their um, community, outside of their culture, that the, all they seem to be able to do with her is romantic and sexual interests. Right, exactly. And and I think that you're right that that's part of why they sort of wrote the, the other female characters into the show because we, we sort of have this... Where, where they were a whole group before, where Penny was part of the guys' group for the longest mm-hmm. time. She, you know, even before her, she and Leonard were involved with each other, she would spend time with them and, and was getting to know them and, and hanging out with the guys. The show is exceptional. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that they are just struggling with what to do with the girls. Yeah, I, I think... That's I, what I see. Yeah, I think that's true, too. And I really like a lot of... The loosening up of Amy and um, the, you know, um, come and hang out with the girls and how important it is for her to have that, that, that true sorority, that sistership, you know, the sisterhood mm-hmm. between, between the three of them is really important to her. And I, I can totally understand and see the value in that. I am less impressed with the reliance on, on playing with gender stereotypes and not in necessarily a creative or... Um, intelligent way, like with the pew, pew, pew and the, you know. Yeah. Put your robes on so we match and look like a couple. Great. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there was something that really, really bothered me about that line. And now that, now that you say it, yeah, that's, that's why it's, it's a stereotypical thing. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, that's a stupid thing to say. Right. Exactly. Especially since, you know, if we want to, you know, for you and I, I think, and for a lot of the people listening and a lot of the people I've talked to in terms of gaming, one of the greatest things for most gamers is feeling that sense of, of understanding the game and understanding what it means and why you do what you do in the game. And, you know, mm-hmm. we don't know what class of characters they're playing, but if she got a robe and he's talking about the armor that he got, she's essentially asking him to put on something that's not going to make him effective in game so that they yes. can look good together and so they can look like a couple because that for her is more important than the game. So it's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, because it, 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 it was obvious that she was enjoying the game. Exactly. And exactly. that she was successful at the game mm-hmm. um, because they were not complaining about her rating or right. about um, her accomplishments or lagging the group behind. Right. The um, only complaint was that um, she showed up. Right, right. <laughs> that she was there in the first place. And yeah. I, I did see the rest of the episode. There is, a, there is a scene later where they are saying, you know, you're the healer of the group. You're supposed to heal everybody, not just your boyfriend. Right, right. And she's like, oh, but Howie has an owie. Oh, God. (laughs) I I don't know. Please. It's the reason I'm a technical writer and not a script writer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a very very difficult thing to do. Because Bernadette's a tough character. Yeah, she's she's a tough character. and, And she... 
you know, she can hold her own with the guys. She's, she's, she's a PhD. She's got her doctorate as well. You know, she's, you know, a scientist, which I love, you know, this is great. She's got all these great things going for her. And now they're sort of like, it almost seems like they're forcing more of these sort of gender stereotypes on her for the sake of cheap laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it sort of it started happening when she got engaged. Mm-hmm. It did. Exactly. Wow. Wow. What a great observation. You're, you're right. And, and that's sort of the ultimate female stereotype. Every woman wants to be married and every woman wants a big white wedding, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so because and, she sort of started to engage that, they started throwing more of these sort of. And she's taken on the mother role, too, because they've already explicitly identified her as being a replacement for Howard's mother. Yes, exactly. She can she can take on the voice almost exactly the same as his yeah. mom has. So yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll it'll see. be it'll be interesting to see where it sort of where it sort of evolves into and um be interesting to see if they have, you know, more gaming references if they come back to Bernadette playing again like they, you know, like you had pointed out, they don't come back to Penny playing again. Um, you know, she's so good and she's so good in the first person shooter and so adept at what she's doing. They don't touch back to that. They don't touch back to her ever going Mm-mm. back to um, an MMO again after the addiction episode. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if we if we see more of this sort of um, gaming stuff evolve out of uh, or into the into the storylines a little bit more. Yeah, I, d- I like the segment of um, talking about how the pop culture represents uh the geek culture Mm -hmm. if um anybody has any ideas or they've seen some representation of gaming that's interesting in um uh, media or movies uh you know send us a tweet or uh leave a comment on the website uh we might cover it in the next episode when we do this little segment absolutely yeah people have suggestions if you've seen something that you're not sure um, either one of us have caught and we'd love to to hear your suggestions and see uh what you have what um scenes or ideas or concepts sort of are coming up for you guys as well that would be fantastic so and if you disagree with us yeah absolutely i would love i'd love to hear some people disagreeing with us i would love to have a discussion even you know the stuff about the guild and the and the um player types if if you don't think we're hitting it on the head please let us know uh, we'd love to talk more about it so you can catch me uh, my twitter is doc liz with two z's and my twitter is Ro Ro O M. That's uh, Greek R H O R H O O M. All right. So you can catch both of us on Twitter. You can catch us on the site game on girl dot com. Uh, we also have a Facebook fan page if you're interested in Facebook. If you're a Facebook person, uh, if you haven't already, please check out the first three episodes of Game on Girl. They're available on iTunes or on the website. Uh, there's also an RSS feed if you're not a fan of iTunes. Thank you for listening. We're uh, glad to have you on the journey with us here. So we're talking about games and gamers and all things geekdom. Um, I'll have some links to the Guild and to Geek and Sundry up on the website if you want to check them out. I want to thank them for all of their support through the dissertation and through this podcast. This podcast was recorded with Audacity and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used with a Creative Commons attribution license. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, game on. Thank you.